The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So in the midst of Hayden's sermon series on conflict, uh, I've sort of injected this idea of uh, rediscovering what church is uh, for these just two weeks. Because as we think about negotiating through conflict, it's important to know who we are as a community. And so last week we looked at an Old Testament example from uh, the book of Nehemiah, how this exilic community, this community coming home to something different and strange. They grounded themselves, oriented themselves, and connected themselves through the Word, through the law, which this Word and Scripture that we also come to know as Jesus, being that living Word. And that's the same for us today. We are a people of the Word. And so it's fitting, of course, that we once again, every Sunday, come to Scripture to better understand who we are and our place in all things. And so I want to take us into the New Testament today. And what better place to start than in the book of Acts, the first expressions of church as we know it, the first time people gather together after the death and resurrection of Jesus. They've been given the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's the most, the earliest, most familiar that we can get in Scripture to what we might know as church today. And when we look to the book of Acts, when we look to the New Testament to understand church, we're not trying to find a formula. We're not trying to say, all right, these are the steps that they went through. This was their liturgy. This is how they meant. Because it's, of course, it's contextual. They did church, for lack of a better word, as you would do in the first century in the Roman Empire. We have to figure out how to do church in the 21st century in Canada. And so we're not looking to restore our church to this original state when, you know, back to the good old days when everything was right. But we can go to Scripture to search for renewal. Not to start something new, but to rediscover an expression of church, the values and foundations of what it means to meet together as the people of God, and then to negotiate that together in our current context. And so we see in this first passage, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see a rhythm of life emerging, something that we've begun to talk a little bit more deliberately about around the council table and even at our congregational meeting, this idea of up, in, and out, this sort of triangle of faith and community. And so we see here in the book of Acts that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We might look at this as our up rhythm as learning from those that might be our spiritual parents, going to Scripture, going to God, building this upward rhythm of life and relationship with our Heavenly Father. They were also devoted to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. These might be our inward rhythms, right? These predictable patterns, things we can expect week after week, things we do together in our community. But there's also that outward rhythm, right? That missional lifestyle, For we see that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They didn't just stay in their homes, huddled together, meeting with their own. They went out. They went out into their city, into their common places. They did life in the presence of others so as to minister and to witness. So we start to see that there's a bit of a rhythm, a bit of an understanding, a bit of a model that they might present that we can take into our own lives. We have our up rhythms. We have teaching. We have prayer. We have small group. 
We have personal devotional time. We meet together here on Sundays as part of our in-rhythm. We come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. These are predictable patterns we engage with, things we can count on, rhythms that help strengthen us as a community. And we also have mission in our church. We have our CAP Debt Center, our Care Impact. Around the holidays, we do Christmas hampers, things that reach out to the communities. So we don't really have to invent anything new when we talk about church. We just have to look at the things perhaps we are already doing. Because that's what the first church did. They didn't scrap their old ways of coming before God, of understanding faith and spirituality. They tried to do church where they already were which is why they continued to meet in the temple courts in Jerusalem, why every time Paul arrived to a new city, he started in the synagogue, because that's where people already were. That's where people that came to faith were already used to going. They didn't change much about their lives in terms of mechanics. They went to the same places, met with their same friends. They still went to their same job, coming to faith, coming to Jesus, showing up to church. It doesn't ask you to do a radical transformation of your lifestyle. You can still go to work. You can still meet with your friends. Still visit the coffee shops and restaurants. Go to your shows and your movies. The only difference is that you are bringing, you are showing up looking for Christ there. That's the fundamental difference. The places are all the same. You have been transformed and now you're able to better see where Christ is at work transforming and renewing our worlds in those places. And we also see that this church had everything in common. And now this passage, this phrase can make us feel a little bit uneasy because we don't really know what to make of that. For are we supposed to just, you know, do as Jesus tells to the rich man, to sell all of our possessions, give them all to the poor, and to take this vow of poverty? Many scholars, when they look at this, they say it's not so much about a communism mentality. That, you know, we would ask you to turn over the deed to your house, to sell your car to the church, and we will manage it on your behalf, and we'll assign whoever's going to live in your house with you. And, you know, we'll take care of your meals, we'll drop off grocery boxes, maybe get you a subscription to HelloFresh or Good Food, right? We're not going to do that. Because the Bible does time and time again affirm the notion of private property, that you are allowed to own things yourself. You're allowed to own land, to own a car, to own your house, to have possessions. These things are not inherently bad, though they can certainly lead us to a life of greed and a fear of losing our stuff over all things else. But when the early church had everything in common, it's really about a mentality of not withholding anything, so you have this church that comes together in common places, that meets together in the places that they already are, and a church that makes sure that everyone has enough. That when they think about private property, it's not about just simply building a fence, about saying, this is my yard, you can only come into it if I give you permission. But it's about knocking that fence down and saying, even though this is my yard, all are welcome here. Because it's not about what's mine. Because as Pastor Hayden reminded us on Wednesday at our congregational meeting, everything belongs to God, and anything that we withhold for ourselves is akin to plundering it from Him. And so we are to be a community of open hands, of generosity. Where we see in uh, James, 
He talks about taking care of the poor and the needy. And in James 2, 15 and 16, he talks about, you know, making sure that they have clothing and daily food. But perhaps that's, that's just a translation that gives us a better sense because the, in the actual Greek, it says what is necessary for daily life. And so perhaps in the first century, what was necessary for daily life was just clothes, food, a place to stay. But as we've come to understand a little bit more about the human condition, we know that it's a little bit bigger than that. It's access to green spaces, good public transit, the ability to enjoy art, music, to have rest, to play. All of these things are necessary for life, not just meeting your basic daily caloric intake and having a clean shirt. So we as a church, if we were to have everything in common withholding nothing, we are to look out for members of our community to make sure that they're not just getting by, but that they have what is necessary for a flourishing life. This is the kind of community that is laid out for us in the book of Acts, a community dedicated to one another, withholding nothing. And so we might ask, where did they get this idea? Because it's not something that we perhaps see so much in our world. And it was quite radical for their day to be so generous and open-handed. But of course, the obvious answer is Jesus. Because as we saw in our gospel reading, Jesus had these sort of same rhythms, these same rhythms for life, this up in and out. For his own life was dedicated to this mission of bringing about the good news of the gospel. And so Jesus, he went through all the towns and villages. He went to the places where people already were, teaching in their synagogues, that in rhythm, that predictable pattern. People came to the synagogues expecting to hear a word from God read from Scripture, just as you come to church this morning expecting us to read the Bible. It would be strange if we did anything else. But Jesus came into these places, and amidst their expectation, he shook things up a little bit. He proclaimed this good news that the kingdom was coming, and he healed every disease and sickness. He reached out to those who were suffering and in need. He reached out with compassion. And he was in constant communication with the Father, for he speaks with God on a daily basis, asking the Lord to show him this harvest, to show him the workers in the fields. And so the early church gets this example from Jesus, this idea of communing together so that we grow closer to God, grow closer to each other, and grow closer to our community by inhabiting the spaces we already do. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Go where everyone is. Continue to go where you already go. But look for Jesus there. Look for the ways that mission, that mission of grace and compassion are being enacted by Jesus. And so we follow Jesus' example. We follow his example, as Pastor Hayden showed us in Mark 1, 35. I feel like I'm referencing his, his uh, little sermonettes in the congregational meeting a lot, so I thank him for doing about half the work for this sermon for me. But I still have, I still have my own words here. Because the, the way that Jesus worked, going and meeting in a solitary place with his Father, going out with his disciples, meeting with them, teaching and instructing them, and going out into those synagogues and teaching. These were habits. These are rhythms. These are things that help carry us through those difficult times, right? Because it's important to work on your spiritual life, to work on the life of the church when things are good. 
so that when the rocky times come ahead, such as a pandemic, such as difficulty discerning how we are supposed to live out our call to love and show grace and compassion to everyone in light of our, our decisions that have come at synod, how do we negotiate and navigate the mission of the church amidst a new word? Because I heard a great saying once that you don't shingle your house when it's raining. You do it when it's sunny. And so by consistently coming together and meeting together, by showing up and doing life together, by not building fences around the stuff that is ours, we become a stronger community together. We become a community that is founded in Scripture, in the Word, that finds joy in coming together, but also can lament with one another. And this is something that is for each and every one of us, because every one of us matters in this mission. Every one of us matters in the kingdom of Jesus. We are the workers of that harvest. We are few, and because we are few, that makes us all the more significant. And so then we come to Romans, this passage where Paul urges his brothers and sisters, and I urge you, my brothers and sisters, that in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Again, we see Paul leaning into these up, in, and out rhythms, that we would be transformed by the renewing of your mind, being able to test and approve for what God's will is. That in offering ourselves to God, we do so not simply just to be used, but that we might know his mind, that we come together to know his will for our lives, for our church community here at First Hamilton, to know his will for our city of Hamilton, for our province, for our country, for our world. We can't really know what we're supposed to do fully, perfectly in our city if we're not in constant communication with God. And that is something that we do together, because we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. None of us can do this mission in isolation. None of us can do church on their own. We have to continue to be together. We have to continue to invest in each other, and that's each and every one of you. No one can just coast along. No one should just coast along in our church communities. Just showing up, being passive, receiving. The invitation is to be active, committed. And this is not just a gospel of work. I'm not just inviting you to just do things and to fill your time and schedule because then clearly you'll be a part of our church if you're on at least four different committees. It doesn't work that way. That is a recipe for burnout and exhaustion. But show up. Be present. Be active. Investing in others. Not putting your interests above, uh, above others but about putting others before yourself. Because we can put others before ourselves if we live in a community where everyone else is doing the same. We can pour out of our cup if everyone else is pouring into ours. And this isn't, of course, then a one-size-fits-all because we, like the body, different parts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so Paul says, if you have a gift, use it. If it is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teaching. If it is encouragement, encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. I'd wager that a lot of us look at a list like this and we see many of these gifts present to us. Many of us are gifted teachers. Or at the very least, we have something to tell about our story of God. All of us 
have the capacity to encourage. All of us have something to give. All of us can show mercy and should do so cheerfully. We all have a role to play in this community, and it does take each and every one of us. Because if the workers truly are few, then it is all hands on deck. And so church, fundamentally at its very core, is about relationship. It's about relationship with each other. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with our community at large. And so I'd ask you, what's holding you back from deeper relationship? What's holding you back from knocking down those fences of your life and living more fully into this contextual community of church, of living into a fuller, more abiding relationship with God, about living into your community, about bringing your faith, the very essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to the places that you already inhabit. And maybe it is just changing the conversation here around church. Instead of asking, how are you doing? You know, what's new and exciting in your life? I'd like to take a page out of a friend of mine from seminary who would always ask me, Ben, are you abiding? Are you abiding with Jesus today? And that became a much harder question to answer than how I was doing because it forced me to check in on each of those rhythms. Am I upwards abiding with God? Am I abiding with my community? Am I abiding with my church? Because that passage comes from John 15, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches, about these two images of nature that are entwined and that they sustain each other. The branch cannot live without the vine. We cannot live without Christ. We cannot do church without Jesus. And frankly, we can't do church without each other. We can't really do church without a community to serve either. And so we are called then to abide, to abide in God's love, because we can't achieve our mission of the church to go out and to spread the good news, to bring healing and wellness to our community if we are not doing it out of God's love. It's like a body with no head, absolutely useless, dead. And so we are called into mission, mission born out of God's love. And that mission, that church, this abiding in Christ, they're also all self-supporting. They're not sequential. You don't have to get your upward rhythms in order so that your relationship with God is good, and then you can invest in your church, and then finally, once our church is fully healthy and perfect and well-abiding, then we can go out into the community. They all happen simultaneously, and they all support each other because we lack the capacity to live a perfectly balanced life in the here and now. And so we're always going to fall a little bit stronger to up, in, or out rhythms. But those rhythms, they all have bits and pieces of each other in them. In the church, it all has bits and pieces of every one of us in each and every aspect. And when we're feeling weak and tired and just struggling to do one thing or another, the rest will help carry us forward. So if you're struggling with mission, but you have a really great devotional life, lean into that devotional life and you will find that your ability and capacity to engage in mission might be strengthened. Or perhaps you're having a really hard time with the church community with the church, whether it's here, locally, contextually, or the church at large. You feel like it's frustrating your devotional life or your feeling for mission. 
Well, keep leaning into your devotions. Keep leaning into going out and showing compassion and grace to the community at large, and you may just find that church changes around you or notices or that your commitment to mission makes you feel more committed and connected to our church. Because ultimately, we are going to struggle. We are going to go through low moments. We are going to go through high moments. But what is important is we do it together, following the example set by Jesus, following the example set by the Christian church, but figuring it out in the here and now. And so I'm really excited for this church. I'm really excited for the vision that council has begun to set and to chart out for what Pastor Hayden has been preaching these last few Sundays. I'm really excited for what God is doing in Hamilton with the True City Network, with Care Impact, with CAP. It does make it a little hard to leave, but I know that God has something in store for me and my family out in British Columbia. So I'll be checking in, not to just see how you're doing, but to be encouraged and to be excited for you. Because God is doing great things in this community. God is doing great things in each and every one of you in this city, in this country, and in this world. And his invitation is simply, let's do it together. Let's come together as a church, as the body of Christ, this weird collection of different people from different walks with different interests. Because truly, church is a weird thing but it works. It works because of the cross. It works because of what Jesus did all those years ago to bring us into right relationship, and it only works if we continue to abide in him. And the good news is, is that though we may struggle and flag in our ability to abide in him, he will constantly reach out to each and every one of us. Each and every time we stumble, he will be there to pick us back up and to remind us to abide in him because he has come close to abide in us as individuals and as a community. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are determined for us to be a community, that you would not settle for us to simply exist as individuals, to simply save our souls and be done with it, but that your saving grace given to us through Jesus Christ, it is meant for community. It is meant for a wide range of people, for everyone under the sun, all the people that you've created, that no one can be counted out of this community. We thank you for all the wonderful gifts that are present here at First Hamilton, for the different gifts and offerings that each of us can bring to this community. Help us to recognize our own giftings, to see the gifts in others and to affirm them. And then help us to bring those gifts out into our community, to show that grace and mercy and compassion that Jesus showed in his time on earth. For if we are to truly be the church of Jesus Christ, if we are truly to be Christians, little, little Christs, we need your help. So as we head into this week, help us to abide, to abide in you, to abide with each other, and to abide with our city. All praise unto you, God, knowing it is only possible through you. Amen.